Welcome to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I believe there's a rhythm and art in everything that we do. This is my journey about how I went from being a hip hop dancing engineer to a multifamily real estate investor. If you wanna learn more about how you can start investing in real estate, stay tuned to learn from multifamily real estate investors and hear how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. What's up everyone? Welcome to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Koo, and I'm on the journey to go from the hip hop dancing engineer turned multifamily real estate investor. This is the show where I interview multifamily real estate investors and discuss how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. But before I introduce today's guest, I want to remind you that this show is brought to you by Nightly Productions. If you already have a platform, a podcast, YouTube channel, maybe you're trying to create a website or a summit and make content that breaks the noise, be sure to check out Nightly Productions and find out how they can help you stop wasting time and money on content that does not deliver. Now for today's guest, head of partnership development with Invest Next. He has been in real estate investing for almost 20 years. Over the last five years, he ran a successful investor relationships department, then made the switch to Invest Next, where he focused where his focus has been on helping investor relation departments successfully utilize technology to help grow their business. Please give a warm welcome to Brad St. Ange. Yeah, thanks for having me, Taylor. Excited to be on the show. Yeah, thank you so much. So aside from aside from just the quick little intro that I gave him, I'd love to know a little bit more background about yourself and, and how you got into real estate in the first place. Yeah, I, I graduated college in a, uh, I graduated from uh, Central Michigan with an MIS degree, so Management Information System. So started computer programming, doing some IT work for this county that, that I grew up at in, in Michigan. Absolutely hated it. So it was uh, it was awful. It was there three months of the summer. I was like, this is just terrible. I was I was essentially like fixing people's computers and I'm like, I don't know, this is not So I ran into uh, one of one of my uh, a buddy I played hockey with, his his mother at this event going on, this local two, three day weekend event that happens once a year. And she, she's like, you got to come work sales for me. You got to work sales. And I hated what I was doing. I'm like, absolutely. Get me out of this place. It was just terrible. So I started in, in the mortgage industry. So, so she was, she was doing mortgages. She owned a mortgage company locally, ended up, you know, fast forward, got into wholesale lending eventually, which is a different, it was, it was doing retail versus wholesale. I uh, was in that for around five years until the the crisis 08, 09, and then everything just started imploding. So every Every mortgage lender was going under. The wholesale lenders were going under. The, the local mom and pops, everything was going under. I had to then kind of switch gears and, and started getting into more commercial at that point because I thought that was going to be safer. So I went from resi wholesale lending uh, to to doing some mixed use commercial, some some apartment building financing, and then moved to Chicago. It was about a year and then that company went under and then it was like all right i gotta just completely regroup because this this whole industry is is just going down so i've got to try to like rebrand myself or get into something different so eventually started getting into to more uh investments with a bank so i was with a bigger bank doing investments and uh working with their clients their private client department and then that's it just wasn't something i was real real passionate about so i had a buddy I always kept wanting to get back into real estate. Like, how can I get back into commercial? I didn't want to do resi again, but how can I get back? And it seemed like the whole, you know, the whole industry started coming back 2014, 15, 16, and, and it started getting lively again. 
I had a friend who invested with a syndicator and I had no clue what that was. And I'm like, I, I don't know what's going on. So he'd tell me about it. He's like, yeah, I'm invested in this fund. We have you know, eight different properties in the fund. So I'm just diversified. I'll, I'll invest and they've got different, different, you know, industrial parks they've bought or office space, or for, uh, I think they bought an Applebee's at one point and we're managing all these. And it's like, it's, it's fantastic. Cause we're, we're leveraged at 60, you know, 60% maybe. And, and just the returns were fantastic. So I started getting real, real interested in this. And at some point they, they needed an investor relations person. And I, I had an investment background and I, you know, jumped ship uh, and just wanted to dive in and learn a lot. So I l- learned a ton from that company and it was, it was a great experience. And I was, you know, excited to get away from that banking, that big, big business into kind of like a smaller mom and pop and then learned, learn more about that syndication thing than I've been kind of like the last couple of years with my buddy was, was pretty interested in learning more about. So I found that was a good avenue because I didn't have to, I'd have to go to coaching or mentoring. Well, essentially he was a mentor, but then I could get paid for it as well and, and learn, you know, get my hands dirty and learn the, the investor relations side of everything. So it was, a, it was an amazing experience. So that's kind of how I got, that's me like a 30,000 foot uh, quick view of, of uh, how I got everything. <laughs> Uh, no, that's that's super fascinating too, because you know, as I am starting to to make headway into into the multifamily industry, I didn't realize like, well, at least like in investor relations, like my initial thought was just, I guess like it was it was transactional based on like per property, right? So like, was was this investor relations like for each property that they had, or was this like an an entire like just equity firm that covered like multiple prop? We developed a, a large investor base. So we had, I think it was around 225 investors. So we would, initially we had a fund and there was about 30, 33 properties within a that fund. fund. Okay. Just every new property that we got, we'd throw into the fund and then it'd be diversified. So it would pay a preferred return and make more than the preferred return, but we'd keep some extra cash in the bank. So like we would keep up to around 10 million. And then once it got up to about 10 million, we'd start dispersing more based off of a split, whatever the split in the operating agreement was saying. And uh, the beauty with that, and the reason why we didn't disperse all the cash was if you have an office building that needs a roof done, it's going to be one, a million dollars or something, or the parking lot redone, it's going to be a lot of money depending on the size. So we didn't want to give all the cash back and then start doing capital calls when we had to, to, to do this. They, they knew that they were going to get a preferred return. They were happy with the preferred return. Every once in a while, I would kick out more money until they actually sold uh, every, every property in the, in the fund off. So it worked really well. It was leveraged really low. It ended up being, I think, a little over 54%, maybe close to 55% leverage. Mm. So there was a lot of equity, you know, almost 40 some percent in, in the entire fund. With If you have 33 properties, it was, uh, it's a, it was a pretty amazing fund. They eventually sold off. So as, as we raised money for new property, we would reach out to our investors or friends of their investors if they had any sort of referrals and then just kind of grow from there. So it was, it was all our investors or hopefully it would grow on the investor base and then manage all that. We eventually started doing one-off projects like development projects right. that were, that were a little quicker turn time. So it wasn't going to be like a 10 year hold. It would be a 18 month to 24 month. And then you're getting your money back quickly. You're not getting a pref every month. But you know, after eighteen to twenty-four months, you're going to get high returns for the if you if you annualize those out. So then we'd start. I'd start doing investor relations and controlling that whole aspect as far as the paperwork coming in, uh, managing the the uh, you know the relationship with the investor, trying to grow the investor base just from those relationships. And that's that's typically what those 
investor relations departments are, are focused on is the, is the investor. How can we make them happy? How can we get referrals or earn their trust to get referrals and make sure that they, if they have questions that, that we're answering those and not, not bogging down other people in the department that maybe that should be focusing on acquisitions or maybe building the brand of the, of the property and just kind of answer those day-to-day questions. So. Right now in, in really, okay, got it. So <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I was like, there's a lot to unpack there. And, you know, something that I'm curious about, and I was figuring out just how to tie this in with just our previous conversation before we just started recording is like, you were in investor relations and then now you move over to invest next. And I'm curious to know at least just like some of the, the struggles that y'all were having within like investor relations. And then what made you make the jump over to invest next in this, this really cool platform to help other syndicators? Yeah. So, I mean, a, a basic one that was really, you know, the light bulb going off, like, all right, we got to do something is that if, if, so we can get back, we have a fund with 33 properties in it. We had a, we had a, we had a Google sheet with this and each property had its own individual sheet within the Google sheet. And it had the investing entity name. So however investors were investing, if it was an LLC or an individual or a trust IRA, et cetera, it would be based off of that and have a contact next to it, but it had all, all the financial information, the distributions, et cetera. We'd have an investor call up and say, you know, I need a, a, you know, a, a, a statement for, for my CPA to show what my net worth is. Can I get a breakdown of all my different investments? So there was no easy way to show that because we just had everything in a Google sheet. So the visibility transparency of, of our group to them was pretty terrible. And for me to actually get a statement back, I'd have to go through this whole, this whole Google sheet with 33 different sheets within that Google sheet. And then try to find, all right, Brad St. Ange is invested. Is he invested in this deal? Is he invested in this one? Is he invested? And how much money was, was I invested? But the caveat is if I had a, an LLC called ABC Ventures LLC, did we have that tag properly where we knew it was Brad St. Ange that invested? So when I'm trying to go through and figure out all the money that the investor had with us, am I missing something here? So did we, did we not put that correctly? So when I sent the statement back, it was always just like this Google sheet or this uh, like word document we draft up and send it back and just hope (laughs) that I had all the investments because I mean, and sometimes they have, you know, over a million dollars with us, or even if they have a couple hundred grand, that's a couple hundred grand they saved and trusted us to do. And if if I send them a a sheet back of, you know, we have 150,000 and they come back over. I thought I had 225,000 here. Like, are they going to go back through this? It was just a, a simple question or a simple ask from an investor that ended up being like, this is going to be nerve wracking. This should be readily accessible. I shouldn't have to spend all day doing this, which I would have to do. And then the, we didn't know the integrity of the data, if it was, if it was correct or not, because I could have missed it. And it was me just going through a sheet and, and doing that. So we had to find a better way. It was like, all right, there's got to be a better way out there. And then we started diving into different platforms and, and looking at them. And that's where I found InvestNext. I, w- I was in Ann Arbor at the time. They were, they were uh, uh, you know, a couple guys from, from Detroit, just down the road that were starting this company out. We were their third, their third customer. So it was pretty, it was pretty intriguing from my point. Cause I got when there was a real basic, it was like an Excel spreadsheet that was, that you could see, uh, you know, that presented the data quickly and a little bit better than that. That's all we needed originally. But as over time, as we started raising capital, it was like, all right, can you guys do this? And they, they were quick to adapt. How about this? Like this would help me. Um, and they were quick to edit, adapt stuff. And I found myself getting more interested in the platform and how can I make this better for, for my capital raising? But then 
was like, you know, I, I, I'd spend nights thinking about the platform, like, all right, can we do this? Can we do this? Can we do this? And then eventually became the first employee with the company and then, then started helping other, other syndicators. And my role now is essentially taking feedback. So getting with, getting with our clients, like, all right, what do you want us to do? How can we change the changes? How can we break this? Or what issues are you having that we can resolve? And then let's try to get that done as quickly as possible, if feasible, and then change it and just keep, keep adapting. Because where they were five years ago, they're completely different to where they are now. And they're going to be completely different even a year from now. So it's just, can we stay ahead of that? Can we keep breaking this process? How can we make it better? How can we make it easier? And that's, that's kind of what's been uh, driving me over the last couple of years since I you know, came on board. Yeah. And over these last couple of years, I mean, it sounds like the the industry, at least from a, a technological standpoint, that has really changed a, a ton just from like paper pushing to being able to track the data. And then now to, I mean, being able to to track and, and see everything and, and draft reports and, and send it over to investors. Now, I can imagine that definitely helps out with just like transparency too and, and building credibility now, when would you, I guess, uh, like, do you think this would be something for more of like a rookie investor? Do you think that this is more for like the seasoned investors that have like multiple properties? It's, um, I think it's for all. And uh, we get a bunch of big REIT companies or just just huge companies that, that'll move from whatever platform they're on or and move over because there's some things we can do. There's some things maybe others can do that we can't do or something, but you know, we've, we've built some pretty good relationships and, you know, we may have some strong referrals where those big companies come over. But and, and the thing that's interesting is those, those larger companies are more worried about paying, like paying out distributions is huge for them. So do it in the platform versus going to a bank and, and actually having to pay that. It, it seems like the bigger ones have certain aspects that they want to see. And then the, the smaller GPs are the ones that are just starting to have other aspects. So it makes, it's, it's nice because it, we're, we can't just focus on one thing. We're kind of focusing on the whole thing. It's obviously important for the bigger ones because they have a ton of investors. They got to show transparency. But one of the one, one of the, the unique stories that we had is when I was raising capital, I, I had a buddy uh, that I worked with that was part of the acquisitions dispositions department there. He eventually left too and started his own thing and never, he was like, he was old school. And I love the fact that he, he, you know, he had a great heart and wanted to, to mail out every distribution to every one of his investors and write a little note, have a Aww. nice envelope and send all this stuff. And then after a little bit, he was like that, I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> like, first of all, if you're sending, you know, he's writing these notes, he's sending distributions in a check. And you've essentially created work for your for your investor. So he gets a check and now he's got to go cash that thing. Like, I don't like getting checks because then, well, I know I can still do it on my phone, but I'm still like, I don't want to do this. So you're essentially creating work and it's more of a headache for him now. So about, I think it's about six months ago now, he finally was like, all right, I've, I've got to be more professional. I've got, to, I've got to have this look. And so he finally signed on with us and starts running everything now. So he's now pulled the distributions from doing it from the bank. Uh, he's running through those through the system, which is which is perfect because when you run them through the system, it then adds them in there. So if you're just if you're sending out a preferred return and you're sending it through through ACH or, or a check in our system, it'll it'll capital it'll it'll um, uh, record that in the in individual's account. So when he logs in or she logs in, she'll see. All right, I just got a pref on this date. I've got a pref. You know, the, the month before I got a pref, and they can actually see that. So it builds it builds more trust. He he texts me or emails me all the time about it's built more professionalism for him because he's now got 
I think it's easier for people to refer if you can see it, feel it, touch it. And that's kind of like what most investments were. If you can see, feel, touch, that's what people like investing in versus just maybe like crypto, Bitcoin. I know a lot of people are getting into that, but some people are old school and like, like those three, three aspects when they're actually investing. So this gives them somewhere to log in, see, see the investment. You know, if they wanted to, they could actually go touch the, the, the building because you'll have uh, like a deal room or summary page of the project that they've invested in. And it's, it's been nice to see his use case. I, I think of a lot of the other people as kind of friends or acquaintances or clients, but when, when I have some people that I've worked with and uh, once they start using the platform and they're happy with it, I think that's those, those are the ones that, that really make me happy because they could, I don't want to jeopardize any sort of relationship. So um, yeah. especially with friends. So it's been, it's been good feedback, which is, it's always a little nerve wracking with those ones versus these big, huge, huge companies. And I, I know they'll eventually, get big and um, larger than they are right now, but it's it's been nice to see just that uh, from where we were working together to I have another one actually another buddy who start, just started his own too, and it's it's nice to see how it's all going. So so I think it does that too with the, with the transparency and and hopefully the goal is those investors that are logging in feel comfortable enough where they can now start referring people. They're like, all right, you know, check this out, check this portal. These are the last couple of deals I did. You can log in and see those, and then um, then they can see new deals too. So. Now, coming from a passive investor standpoint, and this this could be a very dumb question because I personally have still have yet to invest in a syndication, but I'm you know I'm still learning about it. Are you able to see, I guess, like uh, the the distributions to like everybody that's within the deal? So like, no, you can't. Okay, you're shaking your head no. now. Okay, no, no, you'll see just your own. Yeah, just your own. Um, okay. Yeah, your documents will be just your own. Uh, yeah, when they distribute it out. So if I'm distributing 100 grand, I'd, I'd put it in. We, we have a distribution waterfall that we, we mirror off your operating agreement. So you'd, you'd just go in. Uh, and the goal is to eliminate Excel. So you'd go in, you'd mirror it off your uh, distribution waterfall. Then you hit, you know, I'm sending out 100 grand. And the system's going to tell you, all right, this investor earns this amount, this, 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 this. So you don't have to do it in, in Excel. Excel, there's too many, there's too many rooms margin of error because it's essentially going to tell you what you've told it to tell you. If you put in the wrong formula, then it's going to tell you that and you're going to be paying people incorrectly where this will just tell you, you know, the pro rat of everyone that you need to pay. And then they'll get it individualized. So when they log in, they'll just, they'll just see theirs and not, you know, I wouldn't see what you did. I wouldn't see what you've invested, how much you've invested and vice versa. You wouldn't see what I have. And would you able be able to see at least like some of the, uh, some something like the, maybe the GP's distribution or their input or just like updates uh, on the property and where they're putting their capital in. Just because it, it depends how. Yeah, it, it depends. You know, I have seen some addendums to operating agreements that have the actual full list breakdown of everyone that's invested in it with their ownership percentages. Right. Um, you can do updates on that. So it just depends how many how many times the GPs are putting the updates out. If they put a balance, you can you know add a balance sheet, income statement, all that. So just there's there's the ability to have that. It's just I don't know how much of them are you know disclosing that, but I'm sure if you just ask them, they'll they'll let you know at least what they're getting or what maybe what they've sent out total. And then you can look at the operating agreement and say, all right, it's a hundred grand. We're at the split portion of this. Mm-hmm. 30% should have went. So if it's easy cash, 30 grand, then 70 grand to us. Grand. Yeah. And then you you should know your ownership percentage that that'll, you know, that can be a metric on the on the portal, but it's ultimately up to the GPs or syndicators what they want to showcase. And then you can look and say, all right, I got one percent of this 70,000, I should get, you know, et, et cetera, whatever the dollar amount might be. So it's a yeah, it's a good question. And it's it's all it'll be dependent on the on the syndicator or GP the syndicator. and what they what they kind of want to let you know about. So 
Yeah, because at least when I'm starting to talk to a lot of just like my personal network, family and friends, no one's really no one has invested in a syndication or are unaware that this is an actual investment vehicle that a lot of them actually think it's a Ponzi scheme. (laughs) And so, yeah, yeah, it's like I'm very confused. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, I, it's like, I have like family members on drip campaigns, just like following up, just like telling them about it, or, or at least just like letting them know that this isn't a Ponzi scheme. And this actually is something real. And, and so a lot of these questions come up and I think a lot, at least within like they're investing in their first syndication, a, a lot of people are saying like, Oh, you have to trust the GP. You have to see if they're transparent. And I can imagine sometimes it can get a little I guess scary if you this is like the first person first time you met or they're just blowing smoke up your behind. I I don't want to say (laughs) Yeah, it's I mean it's it's a lot about doing that work up front too and asking them a lot of questions, seeing if they have you know a history and if they can they can show it what it is. And yeah, there's a lot of trust in them. There's a lot of people and it's it's nice where I am because I can see who's kicked out what distributions and you know, I I now have a like a, a ton of we have a, a lot of clients on the portal and you can see that. So you can see what's, you know, what's, what's going on and w- what industries are, are cause we have storage, we have mobile home parks, multifamily, we have stuff outside of uh, commercial real estate on there. So it's, it's interesting ah. uh, to see it all. But I would definitely suggest, I would definitely suggest doing your homework on the syndicator and that, I mean, ask a bunch of questions up front. And I used to like that when I was uh, ran in investor relations, cause then I know, well, to an extent, um, <laughs> but questions were always good because I knew, yeah, if it, they just kept, kept coming. But if they asked a bunch of questions before the deal, then I knew that they were they were pretty comfortable, pretty knowledgeable how it's going to pay out. That's, you know, it's not monthly like the other deals we were doing. It's going to be an 18 month hold before you get yours versus some would just throw us cash because they were, they were comfortable with what our company had created. And then, you know, month into it, they're like, where's my distribution? And it's like, well, this isn't the same as that last deal. This is a completely different thing. This is development versus uh, an existing property that's that's cash flowing. And then they'd be like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. And I was like, wow, yeah, <laughs> crazy. Thanks for your 200 grand. Um, and not, not any sort of research. That's amazing. I wish I had that cash flow just, just readily available. But then there's uh so it's good it's good in some some cases, but then it's, you know, if you're questioning everything and, and you know, as, as the deal keeps going and it's like, all right, all right, this this is getting a little annoying, but um, but I would definitely, if I was an investor, I would definitely do your homework on the on the syndicators for sure and see mm-hmm. you know see past projects, look at dig into the deal you're working on currently, and then hopefully hopefully you get to a point where all right, I know this next deal, I, I know this syndicator, and I don't have to to vet them every time, but maybe ask I would ask maybe a few questions or look at stuff and just see how it's structured and how when the payouts are and you know what what maybe cash on cash is or et cetera. Cash on cash, or how long? How long it's going to take until they get their first distribution? Yeah, yeah, definitely know that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, especially if you're living. I mean, if you're if you're retired and you're trying to live off that cash flow, or trying to retire, and live off that cash flow, and it's not coming. You know, you're like, well, I mean, waiting eighteen months versus one month is. Hopefully, you're not dependent on that, but you know. So yeah, definitely do your homework. Yeah. Now you know with. And I feel so, so at least like in, in multifamily, I feel like it's become like a very sexy thing where everyone like wants to do syndications and, and just jump in. Now, are there some red flags that you see, like, I guess with, since being on the investor relations side, and then also seeing like how all of these other people are managing their investors 
any red flags that you would see that sh- that you would run away from if you if you saw general partners like I not to call anybody out here. I, yeah, that's a good question. I um I, I think multifamily is good for most investors because they've maybe done a single family and then they can relate like oh this is like you know this is maybe I was in junior high now I'm going to college so they can kind of like it's easier to comprehend. relate to that. Yeah. yeah. Um, where, where I think, I mean, I, I love the different, some, some of the different ones, like I, mobile home parks have been doing very well. Storage is amazing. I love, I love the storage and some of the stuff I get to see on there. So I don't, I don't know red flags. Like I, I don't know much about retail, but I think people doing it right are making a lot of money are going to make a lot of money off that space just because I think they're getting it very cheap, but I don't know much about retail. We don't, we don't have it on, on our platform much that I, that I've seen and I've never raised capital for, for retail, but it's, it's an interesting area and I wouldn't call it a red flag at all. I think, I think it's more of how much, you know, how much knowledge you have. Cause I think risk is proportionate to your knowledge about something. So if you've done your homework, then it shouldn't be very risky as long as you've, you know, you understand what you're getting into office space is interesting too. It's, it's, yeah. it seems like that, that can convert easily to, to maybe some multifamily if they have to have it, but that's going to be interesting over the, over the next little bit, but maybe red, red flags is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of a tough question, but you know, I guess, um, you know, kind of switch switching gears then when you were raising capital and yeah. I, I'm curious about like you just your first raise and just what that experience was like, because you, well, you with your first raise, correct me if I'm wrong, you didn't have invest next. Right. Okay. And yeah. it was, um, the, the first is a little daunting because the, the paperwork is kind of a nightmare. You don't know what's going on. Your attorney essentially sends you a subscription agreement uh, questionnaire and you have to have this stuff figured out um, or filled out. And but they don't the, the, they don't give you a training on it. They're like, all right, this is what you do here. It's like here's your documents. You know, go get those filled out. Um, so that was always nerve wracking. Always, I think I had everyone fill out everything where they didn't need to fill out everything, and it was like, I, I don't know, I'll have to fill out everything versus, um, which kind of slowed the process down. I think getting money back too. Um, a lot of people were sending checks at that point, so just waiting for the waiting for the the cash to come in. We'd see a lot of these subscription agreements questionnaires come back through email. But then the, the the money would wait a little bit and you'd have to keep hounding them, keep hounding them. And I think that time, it was almost like giving them too much time to think about the investment and go, all right, do I really want to do this? And we'd lose some people that way. Hmm. So what really happened is if they, you know, how quick you can get the documents filled back out and back to you and sign, then how quick can you get the cash? Because you don't want them just, you know, I think it's what buyer's remorse, what they call that. So at least you can get them back. I mean, you want them comfortable with it, but if they've, if they're ready to pull the trigger, let them, you know, pull the trigger as quickly as possible. So so that, that was one of the things that really helped us. We got the documents back. They were filled out correctly because we were forcing it. We used templates in, in the in the portal to force them to fill everything out correctly and then getting the money. So now they can send it, you know, they can send it through the portal and they can initiate that right away. So that would hopefully stop that buyers or more or ask more questions or, you know, get them thinking about, do I really want to do this? Or I think we've had some people buy a condo, you know, after they've started the paperwork and just kind of get lost. So at least if you can, how quick can you get that money back? And I think these seem to help and get, get money back a lot quicker than, uh, than the old school way of just emailing, waiting for checks to come in. So you're really just streamlining the entire process then. And yeah, yeah, essentially. Hmm. Got it. Got it. Got it. So would this be in replacement of just like DocuSign too? Where or yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, no, I think they're good because you have you have a lot of investors who don't know, like you said, don't know about this space. I was at the gym last week and talking to this lady, and she said, I was just telling her what I did, and she was fascinated. And 
And she's like, you know, we've always wanted to buy a storage unit, but you know, we don't, we don't have enough money to buy these storage units we're doing. I'm like, well, that's literally what, what we're doing here is we're, we have a lot of these syndicators who are buying storage units because they can't buy them on their own. They're managing them and you can participate in it. So you can be a piece of this. You can, you can have a, a percentage ownership in it. And the best part is, I mean, she's a doctor and you, you don't have to manage this thing. You're just passively investing in this, you know, 50 grand, hundred grand, 25 grand, whatever it is, but you don't have to go manage the thing. So you can keep doing what you do and then just get in a couple different deals and, and kind of spread yourself out. But you know, I've seen a lot of people who want, we're like, yeah, I want to start doing this real estate stuff and are buying single family, single family, which is great, but you're now creating a ton of work for yourself or new jobs. You're now the electrician, you're now the plumber, you know, may have to mow the grass. You may, you may have to go change light bulbs or just do all that basic stuff. And I was like, is that what you want to do? Or do you just want to get passive income and, and not have another job or create, create several different jobs? So, hmm. so I think people understanding what this is and what the, the whole thing around it is, is um, I, I think good. So yeah, so the basic questions are good because I think it's probably good for your audience to, to learn more about, about this. Cause I have friends in commercial real estate who don't know what, what syndication is and it's blows really? my mind, but it's, 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 it's in there. Yeah. They're always, uh, they're like, Oh, I work for Marcus and Millichop or something. And it's like, all right, well we do syndications. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. It's like, all right, well, um, maybe learn uh, more about that stuff. But, but I think it's good. Cause it's, it, it just teaches people, you know, trying to get into this or, or that don't know it exists that, Hey, this does exist and you don't have to do all this on your own. And you can kind of use this as, as a coach or mentorship, you know, if you, if you get into these and then if, if the GP is willing to, to share some stuff of how they do and how they run it and all that. So you can kind of like learn and piggyback off them. So I think it's good. And ride their coattails and, and really just like understand their processes, their processes. Yeah, for sure. Some, you know? yeah, some don't release everything, but you know, if you, I'm sure if you pick their brain, they'll start with giving you whatever info. <laughs> but in, in your opinion with, you know, the relationships that you built in commercial real estate, have, have most of these people just been pretty transparent or, or have people just tried to, I, I can't imagine majority of these people just trying to upsell you and just trying to take, take your money just so they can invest it across, I guess, multiple industries. Cause well, the re- reason why I ask is cause like I was talking with this one passive investor and he wasn't really feeling the love from one of the GPs that, that he invests did in is like taking super long to respond. So I guess like across the industry, like have, I feel like majority of the time, have you seen just people being more transparent than not transparent? Yeah, I've seen more receptive. I mean, at least, at least um, you know, a lot that we've worked with, it seems are pretty receptive and pretty responsive, which is good. I have heard some war stories from, from friends who are like, oh, I invested with this guy and, you know, we got a Canadian buddy. He's like, I invested with this Canadian guy. I never saw my money and never really heard from the guy again. And it's like, all right, well, how do you know this guy like definitely do your do your research and it's weird that someone would just walk away from, from that and, and i'm sure there's some some people out there that aren't the most honest and, and upfront but we we have some that are just amazing you know tons of data hopefully they're getting back to you asap and i think you can kind of see that in your as you question and vet them how quick are they responding or how they do they can kind of use that as a good time frame we're like all right they're real responsive right now let's see how they are when the, the property starts going and how much data we can get back Usually we see a lot of like quarterly updates or blog posts on the portal with the, with the properties and you can do that and it ties everything in the, in the system, but seems most responsible, but there's, there's always bad people out there. People just trying to, to screw you over basically. And it's, you know, just do a ton of 
work up front. And I think referrals is a good way because usually your friends have maybe invested in them and have trust in them. So that's always a good way to, to, to kind of do some vetting. If someone else, you know, is invested in someone and, and they trust them. Well, as long as you trust your friend too, then now for, for certain, for, for certain deals, I know that sometimes there are voting rights, like for these passive investors, right? Yeah. Now, for voting rights, are there is there official documentation that goes like through Invest Next that that they could do that? There yeah. is now. It's interesting. Um, our agree we use Hellasign, and our agreement with them is that basically it's built off of a deal room. So essentially, I don't want to get in the weeds, but we're we're trying to create like one-off documents that you can do. I mean, you can essentially, if you have Hellasign or DocuSign, you can have them vote that way or, and then just upload the document in if everyone needs to see the vote or however transparent you want to be. But I mean, or do a Google doc and have everyone vote on the Google doc. And then I don't know if you want to upload it, but you can yeah. <laughs> upload it into, into the project and have it attached to, to the project so everyone can see. It just depends on, I think your PPM or operating agreement of how the, how the voting goes and how the voting rights go. But interesting question. I think we're we're trying to get to the point where we can do these one-off documents in in the system, and I, at some point we'll have that. I don't know about how soon it will be, but there's like interesting addendums that may come out where you need to you know need them to sign real quick to something that might have changed in the operating agreement or or et cetera. So just trying to get those in the system or, or uh, something where where it's kind of, one of those things where it's like all right, it's this weird caveat one-off thing that will break the system again, which is good because then it's something we need to adapt and kind of add into the portal. But till then, there's always ways around it. But we'll we'll have something with that in the uh, I imagine the portal. So that's a you know, good question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't really have like any basis or standard to go off of. And there's just like something that <laughs> came into my mind. I think it's good too, to, to see how much they can manage and all that. Cause it's going to be, you know, it's up to the, the GP or syndicator to manage and typically it's going to be there in, in that sort of legal documents. Like, Hey, we're managing this, but if it, it comes to maybe if you have a fund and you have a new project that everyone that's already existed in the first project has to approve, then, you know, you're in there, you know, what's your vote worth? What's the ownership percentage you have? How much power do you have in the project? Probably day-to-day, probably zero. But when it comes to adding new projects to a fund you may be participating in, you should have you know, a vote in that. There's, there's certain aspects of should go over your voting rights and what, what that all means. So got that's it. a good question. Uh, got it. Now, you know, Brad, you're doing all of this. And you know, I'm curious, what's, what's next and what does the future look like? Whether that's like within Invest Next and like what is the... I guess the legacy that you would want to leave after is like, what's, what's the long-term vision that looks, looks like for you and in, in being in this space? We're, we're going to continue growing. Um, we, have, we have a few different avenues we want to go to that we don't see anyone really utilizing. So growth, I mean, we keep talking about, I mean, you, I mean, this could be 10 years from now. I mean, what's, what's our company value at that point? Do we look at kind of selling at that point or do we look at still keeping this going or, um, but I think it's all led back to like keeping this going. I mean, this could, this is, I think we're creating, a nice little community. We have some great, some great clients always giving us good feedback and just being able to support them is kind of our number one goal or then listen to what they're saying and then kind of editing it and go from there. So, but hopefully just helping people and and making the process a lot easier. It's been, it's never the funnest. I mean, it's, you know, the paperwork and it's not that, that glamorous and it's not that great, but we can make it not, you know, less painful then I think that's, I think we're doing a good job. And if we can, you know, we can help you create more time 
I think is another another thing we're trying to do is like, all right, what, what can we do that you can stop doing these little, you know, counting aspects of it or paperwork? Like, how, how can we get you back to finding new deals or, you know, selling a property or you're just getting back to your day to day? So I think that's eventually where we want to go is just keep creating more time. How can we create more time for you guys? And, and we'll just continue to try to kind of use that as a focus and and hopefully build build kind of a, you know, uh, a whole invest next environment where some of our GPs are talking to each other, communicating to each other, maybe helping each other raise funds. But I think that's kind of the overall goal for at least for the next next five years. Who knows what it'll be after? And I think there's going to be next, you know, the next couple of years, everything that we are trying to implement, there's going to be probably way more things to implement. Like, are we getting into uh, crypto, uh, crypto and all that? Like, are we going to be able to invest through that, uh, et cetera? Mm-hmm. So we'll start kind of maybe diving into that a little more. But it's interesting. It's it's ever changing. It was completely different than two years ago. And it's going to be completely different over the next couple of years. Awesome. Uh, it's really exciting. And I'm excited for, for what the future looks like for, for you and Invest Next. Now, if people want to get a t- in touch with you and get a hold of you and reach out and learn more, uh, how can they ho- get a hold of you? Yeah, uh, Brad at investnext.com. Got LinkedIn as well, Brad St. Ange. I check that a couple times a week, so it's not as fast. So don't get upset if you email me and it's taking me a little bit to get back. And you can, if you want to see a demo, see see the see the product, you can go to investnext.com and we've got a little demo button in the upper right that you can kind of check us out and give us some feedback. So Oh, awesome. And those will definitely be in the show notes. And then make sure to stick around for a few days after this, because we are going to be talking about just getting really granular, just about, you know, how general partners and syndicators can really leverage their business and scale their business through Invest Next. So thank you, Brad, for, for coming. And I'll see everyone in a few days. Thanks for listening to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. If you got any value out of this episode, I'd greatly appreciate if you head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review the show, which will help more people receive that same value. If you're looking to connect and talk more about multifamily real estate, you can reach me at inrhythmmultifamily.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.